Abba Yahweh again, your breath, your spirit, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom that you, you bring to me, Father God, that you give me this opportunity to be a conduit, to share this outward to anyone that have an ear to hear and listen to the words spoken, Father God, that they would listen and then turn to your truth, your knowledge and your wisdom that is in the Bible, Father God, your guidebook, your roadmap and instruction manual that you gave to us, Father, for life. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share in your, in your treasury, to pour these out to anyone, Father God, anyone that listens. Abba Yahweh Aman, Aman, so interesting the Lord workings um, I've shared with you winds winds of change the wind the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 when when they were in the um, there's some that believe and I hadn't noticed it before, but I checked some other scriptures. And the indication is that the on Pentecost, when the disciples were, uh, when the wind came down, they were actually in the house of the upper room um, where Jesus had appeared and came to them before. And that may or may not be a relevant issue, but I just thought that I would share that. But there are those that believe that to be the case. But the importance of this is the wind. And the wind came down, sounded like a mighty rushing wind. And it came in, and I can just imagine that, that if the windows had shutters, that those were blown away, or the, the curtains were even just blown completely off the windows, and the doors burst open and the wind came in and the wind came in and on each and every single one of their heads was the fire, the holy fire, the holy fire of heaven that came and anointed and rested on each one of them. And if you remember when um, Elisha and his young student were on the run and the city was surrounded by all the armies because they were looking for him because there were those that came back to the Syrian king that, that said that, oh, he's telling your enemies where you are and he's telling them this and he's telling them that. And so they surrounded it and they wanted him to, they wanted to kill him. And the young student was fearful and the prophet spoke to God and said, show him what I see. Let him see what I see. This one time. So the young man went out onto the balcony where they were staying and he looked out and what did he see? What he saw was holy fire. What he saw was fire from heaven. Like that that descended on the disciples when they were now apostles. In the book of Acts, that fire rested on them. Well, this young student saw the army of heaven that surrounded the armies that surrounded the city. And they were burning but not consumed. The holy fire of heaven. 
And whenever the angels appear or first appear to the prophets or the kings and the individuals that they did, they appeared to be, they were glowing with holy fire. Didn't always appear that way, but initial appearance. But brothers and sisters, we have this thing that we tend to do. And I'll say it happens in churches today, quite readily actually. And that is the quenching of the spirit. And that quenching comes from only one place and individuals in the church believe that they're, they're teaching correctly. Well, if they're quenching the Holy Spirit and they're telling you that God doesn't do that anymore, that you need to not do that, First of all, let me tell you this about that. They don't know anything about what they're speaking. They're speaking falsehood. They're speaking denial. They're speaking lies. And that comes from one place or one place only. They might not be cognitively thinking to do that. Oh, I'm going to do this for Satan. The mindset works in many, many different ways. And one of the tools that Satan likes to use to get you to think that your thoughts are yours and yours alone. But he's planted them in there and he's got you working and manipulating you to do what he wants you to do. And there are those individuals that are not cognitively working for Satan, but they believe that what they're saying to be true. And so they're going to convince others that they shouldn't be doing it. And what they're doing is they're quenching the spirit. They're quenching the Holy Spirit and saying, you can't do that in this church because we don't believe in that in this church. Or you, you can't pray like that. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You're, you're confusing people. Well, mm, no. Only if you do it in a confusing state and God does not allow confusion because God is not an author of confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. And... If you worship God and you pray to God and you utter in the holy language of heaven, which is in the Holy Spirit, and many churches call it speaking in tongues, that's totally acceptable to God. God doesn't mind that at all. But you don't want to confuse people by just blurting out and filling the whole auditorium with that. Because that would be confusing unless God has an interpreter and is the message is intended for a specific person or persons, and it's meant for everyone to hear, and then there will be an utterance of clarity. It's all performed by the Holy Spirit. But you're praying in the Spirit, and you're talking to God, and you're worshiping God is acceptable, and if those individuals are trying to get you to not do that, and they're trying to tell you that the church does not allow that, and then what you need to, what is important that you do is it tells you that you speak to two or three of the elders. So what you need to do is you need to bring that out, find out if that is indeed the acceptable policy of the church. And if that is the acceptable policy of the church, it's time for you to go. And you, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you either, either way. But if the church is teaching that you do not 
worship God in that way, the way that the Bible tells you to do so, and that's their practice not to, then you find another church home. Plain and simple, find another church home. Because no one, no one, let me say this again, no one on this plane of existence has the authority to speak against the Holy Spirit, to speak against God, and to tell you that God does not do it that way anymore. If they are trying to do that, and they are claiming that, then they're liars, because the Bible speaks clearly and plainly otherwise. Now, here's the import. Don't get confrontational, don't get all attitudinal, because you don't want to do that. But you don't stay where they try to quench the spirit or they try to stop the spirit and they speak against the spirit because that is not truth. That's not truth, that's not knowledge, and that's not wisdom. It's totally contrary to the word of God. And that, brothers and sisters, is the truth. as it comes from the Father. The Holy Spirit is an important thing that, uh, and I use that term loosely because it's difficult for many to understand the Holy Spirit. It's a Spirit of God that comes and, and as I've shared with you before, in Genesis 1, it's very clear. I'll flip back over there just as a reminder for y'all. And some of you that are just now turning in have never read the Bible, so they may not be familiar. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. There was no form, there were no mountains, there was nothing void. It was just basically an empty, dark sphere. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. <clears throat> it was covered in water, very dark. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And if you were to where you could see that, <clears throat> pardon me, you would understand what I'm saying. And, and if any of you have been out in farmland or uh, places where there's ponds and, or small lakes, as some people would call them, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> and it's a very beautiful, calm day, and then a very light breeze comes. You can barely feel it, and you think that maybe you do, but if you look on the surface of the water, you will see the movement. The water will be moving. There will be rippling and movement on the surface of the water. And then you feel that breeze. And sometimes you can even know which direction it's coming from. I've been in, in bodies of water where you look to the far side. It's almost the size of a lake. This is a lake. And you see the small rippling on the surface, but you see it moving. And it's coming toward you. 
as you're standing on the bank. And I'd stand there and I'd watch us. And then I feel the breeze. I feel the breeze in my face. And I feel the breeze. I can feel it come around me and then it gets stronger and the waves get a little, little more. And I can feel it. It, it surrounds me. And then sometimes it just fades away or it continues and then it turns into kind of a, not a real blessed day, but the wind continues. I share this for a reason. <clears throat> I share this because the Bible talks about the spirit of the Lord in a number of places. And I shared this with you before in the directions of the winds, you have the four directions, north, south, east, and west. The winds that come from the east, and <clears throat> know this too, when, when you speak uh, northerly winds, easterly winds, westerly winds, southerly winds, you're talking about the directions the wind is coming from. So when you call it an easterly wind, it's the direction the wind is coming from. It's coming from the east and blowing toward the west. And when you see in the Bible, when you see about the easterly winds, they're a wind of vengeance, heat, powerful. And God will bring them. Southerly winds, they bring up warmth, temperature. The westerly winds are the gentle, more like a breeze, but they bring a calmer sense. And northerly winds are cold. The Bible talks about these winds and they talk about the directions. And you'll find... Example, when Moses was in, uh, was in Egypt and before, and before the, uh, before Pharaoh, and he was, of course, all those things that were for Pharaoh to let the people go out of their bondage they had, and he kept refusing, refusing, refusing. And then there was there was the locusts, and it talks in the scripture that the locusts came from the east, and the winds blew from the east. They blew all day long and into the night. And in the morning, <clears throat> pardon me, and in the morning, the locusts arrived. And locusts began to devour everything. that the fire and brimstone, because before the Malukas showed up, fire and brimstone came from heaven and it rained upon Egypt, <clears throat> pardon me, and it destroyed crops and broke things up. And then when the locusts showed up, 
They ate everything that the hail and fire didn't destroy. They devoured everything. And then when Pharaoh <clears throat> repented, God changed the wind direction and he brought it from the west. And it said the westerly wind blew the locusts into the sea. It blew them so that there was not a locust left on the coast of Egypt. Not one was left. The westerly wind blew them all out into the water. And when you had Jonah, who didn't want to do <clears throat> what God had directed him to do, ran off and was arguing with God. And continued arguing with God, and he found where he was out in the open, and, and God had the gourd grow up so he would have some shade. Didn't have to be out in the in the sun. But he continued arguing with God. And it says in the word that God brought a vehement wind from the east. What does that mean? It means that that wind from the east was pretty, pretty mean, powerful. And it was intended for a purpose. And that purpose was to come in and take Jonah take his shelter, get him back in line, which it did. It blew his shelter, dried up the gourd, and it blew the cover that he had away that God had provided. And it blew it away, and the heat and the sun was so much that Jonah passed out. But then God just sort of reminded him because he was arguing with God continually. And God says, this is Jonah. Where'd the gourd come from? What, you planted it and tended it and, and waited for all this time? Did it not show and grow in the day and just grew and was there for you to provide for you? And when it withered and I took it away, did not that did not that happen in a single moment? He was reminding Jonah exactly who he is speaking to, and that it's not all about us. And many times there are those, as I've just shared, that will decide that it's all about them and that their authority is much greater than what we have. Jesus did give us authority. He gave us the authority to step on the heads of serpents and upon scorpions, which, as I've shared with you before, is Bible speak for the demons, the minions that come from hell. And it says that we also have the authority to face down the enemy himself, Satan. And that no harm will come to us. 
Jesus tells us that. He tells us that in Luke. And there are many that will try to take that further than what it is intended and try to stretch that out. We don't have the authority to tell people that they can't speak in tongues. We don't have the authority to tell them how they should be sharing. You don't have the authority to tell people how they should be worshiping. And the Holy Spirit is to take us and be in the word of God, to guide us, to lead us. Remember an encounter that Jesus had with his disciples? Peter was in the group and Jesus said, who do you say I am? Who am I? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're Elias and some say, some say, some say, some say. She said, who do you say I am? And Peter's response is what? You are the Lord. You are the only begotten son of God. And what did Jesus tell him? He said, the Spirit told your heart. The Spirit gave that to you. It's important to understand that that conversation that was taking place was all about hearsay and knowledge. It was about hearsay and knowledge. And there's a profound, profound difference. I've spoken before about the cheetah and the leopard, which is all hearsay, because we know or should know and remember from what I've said is that they're not the same and they are not, except you will have, and there are literally thousands that will say that they are the same. There are different species of animal, could be related distantly, it could be cousins, I don't know. But if you look at them, physically they're so different. Very different, spots are different. Head shape is different. Their physical alignment of their body is different. One is built for utter speed and agility, and the other is built for strength which is very strong. I mean, if you've seen any of they can actually carry a kill up into a tree. That's pretty powerful. But they're different. Hearsay says they're the same. Knowledge says they're different. And when Jesus was talking with the disciples, they were all saying this and that and the other thing because of hearsay. Well, some say you're this and some say you're that. Some say you're this person. Some say you're that person. But whom do you say that I am is what Jesus wanted to know. You are the only begotten son of God. You are our Lord, our God. The Holy Spirit spoke to you and told you that. We're going to take a little trip following the rule of faith. And the Holy Spirit's been sharing this with me here for a couple days now. But we're going over here 
And part of this is because Michael stirred this up Sunday. Michael is a young man at our church who is speaking. Um, the practice at the church that I attend, Antioch, Fort Worth, Trail Lake Drive, come and see. Good place. So they, during the summer months, they utilize uh, the elders and, and the others that, that come and teach. But here's, <clears throat> he, he stirred up something because he was talking about breath. Now we're going to talk about breath. We're going to go to Ezekiel. We're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel was a very powerful prophet of God. And understand this, I've shared this before, and I'm going to share it again. Prophets back in this time frame that we're talking about, prophets were not, um, and a lot of things that people believe about prophets now and prophecy now are, they're not a synonymous venture, meaning that they're not the same thing, that they, it's differently. Prophets can foretell future events. It is possible if God allows that to happen. But prophets are those who speak for God and God is giving a powerful utterance to them and the Holy Spirit speaks through them and it's um, pastors at churches can be prophets and prophets can be amongst the congregation. And it's, they're used in prophetic ways to bring special word to individuals to share. And they have a special anointing of God. You have to understand, remember this, that God calls us all to one single purpose and anoints many of us differently. I am so profoundly thankful and blessed by what God is allowing me to do here on this, his platform, his podcasting, his truth, his knowledge and wisdom. And he, he gave this to me. But we're going back into Ezekiel 37 because Ezekiel was a very powerful prophet. He spoke for God. God utilized him to speak to the people. God also gave him future visions sometimes. But this, I think, is something, no, let me change that. I know that it's something different and intended because the Holy Spirit brought this to me and gave this to me um, this morning. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Listen to what I say. Hear what I speak. Pay attention to these words. They're important. And he said unto me, son of man, 
can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay lay sinews upon you and you will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them covered them above, but there was no breath in them. We're going to go back here a moment. Shaking the bones came together, bone to his bone. That means that everything joined together where it was supposed to be. The valley was full of bones and they weren't all together. I mean, pay attention here. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Let's say it, the word of God. This is important to me and what the Holy Spirit was sharing with me today, this morning is that we are the Valley of Dry Bones, the churches that refuse to honor the Holy Spirit, that refuse to share the word of God, that are slothful and lazy in what God calls us to do and be about his business, They are those dried up bones. They have nothing. They don't share. They don't do what God has called them to do. They sit around and do virtually nothing. But like on the day of Pentecost, when that rushing mighty wind came from the throne of God and came down and entered that building where they were meeting and sharing and teaching, and the Holy Spirit entered every single one. And they spoke in many tongues. They weren't educated men. They weren't shared. They didn't have any letters of, of education. Peter was a fisherman. And in the day when he was taken by Jesus or chosen by Jesus, he smelled as fish all the time. And he spoke in languages that he didn't know. 
but the individuals that were there from parts of the country and other places heard and understood. And every single one of them spoke in a different language. And all the men, it said that all the men that were there could understand their own tongue, their own native speech. They understood what was being said. That is the Holy Spirit. These, this valley of dry bones, that's what I believe, that's what the Holy Spirit indicated to me is that's not just a, an army that's getting set up to go out with their swords and shields, but spiritually speaking, it is. Because we are told to have on the full armor of God, the sword of truth, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, and have our feet shod in the preparation of the gospel, the word of God. But this valley of dry bones, the Holy Spirit came in and breathed life into them, which it needs to do again this day, this time, this era, needs to breathe in the life to the church, to those that are claiming to be Christian. Remember, there's a difference between the label heads and the self-proclaimed. They aren't true. They don't share the word of God. They don't do what God has called them to do. They won't go out and testify. They don't go out and share anything at all. They're just a heap of dry bones. But when you get out and you move around, and you do what we're called to do, what God has designed us to do, what God desires for us to do, to be about his business and share the truth, and this is an analogy that uh, Michael was using in the message that he shared Sunday. And he was sharing that there was a time when <laughs> I, I chuckled a little bit because I'm familiar with the wild rivers over there. I've been white water rafting. I've been on wild rivers and canoes before. That's an interesting experience. Way different than rafting. Um, he was in India, and he was there in a mission field that was a, um, I, I think he said it was an internship program, and he had to go there, and part of the trip over there was that they, they went on this uh, rafting trip, and everything was all nice until they went around the bend and they hit some of the rapids on those rivers over there. And you have to understand that the rivers over there are way different than they are in this country. You have certain rivers here that are, they're graded according to the rapids, but they went around the bend in this river and he said that the raft that they were in got stood up and was no longer in the horizontal plane as it was traveling with the river, but that the raft went vertical and that members of the group they were tossed out and the raft flipped over and he was underneath and he was fearful and afraid and and uh, things were going on and and uh, then he took this big gulp of air and and uh, raft flipped over and said he looked up and there was the raft the, the head of the excursion and he was standing on the raft and they were just grabbing people and pulling them in and he was standing up there and had pulled the raft back over. But of course he was knowledgeable. 
Michael didn't know that. The others probably didn't know that because he didn't make that readily known to them. But I was enjoying the analogy that he was using because he was talking about this big breath that he took in because he was thinking that he was going to go underwater, so he took that deep breath. And as he shared that, I was thinking that, you know, because of the description that he's given, I thought a whole bunch of different things. I was thinking of Shane and Shane, the two brothers sing a song and talking about the battle that they fight that's already won. And God, we do that. We have a tendency to do that. We tend to lay out in the valley and just dry out, or we tend to fight in something we shouldn't be fighting because we're not trying the Spirit. We're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember, John tells us that we should try the Spirit in all things. And that is important to do because he will guide us. And sometimes we get into the condition to fight against something we shouldn't even be fighting. And there's no reason for us to. But we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And then the other conditional thing that we do is we start to question. Why would God use me? What's a man he can't? There's nothing I can do, so I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to be slothful and lazy. I'm not going to share the word of God. I'm not going to be about God's business. I'm not going to. And then you throw yourself down in that pile of dry bones out in the valley again that Ezekiel was wandering around in. And you become a heap of dry bones. But then the question begs to be asked, and I'm going to ask it, and you better know I will. What authority have you got to decide that God can't use you and that you're not worthy for God's purpose. What authority gives you that? None. God is sovereign. God has called you for a purpose. He calls us all for a purpose. Whether he uses you one way or another, that's up to God. But you don't have the authority, they're the sovereignty to decide that you're not worthy for God to use. He came and died for you. That's okay, but he can't use you for anything else. He can't call you to be about his business. That's not in his purview. That's beyond his, his uh, capability. And he doesn't know how you are or what you are or who you are. Oh, yes, he does. He knows that you're scarred. He knows that you're broken. He knows that you're bruised. He knows that you're battered. He doesn't care. He knows that the character of your heart is to do that right thing. You just don't know how to do it, but he's going to guide you and he's going to teach you. And sometimes those that are in denial, he already knows that you're going to change. And these things that take place in our lives, remember I shared this with you before. They are to temper and like that... <laughs> I look at it again. I, I can't not. But I bought it to honor my father 
and the Holy Spirit told me to look at it and look at it good. And this is supposed to honor my father because he was a firefighter for 32 years. He died shortly after his retirement, succumbed to cancer. But for 32 years, he was a firefighter. He was an instructor, teacher, my hero. I didn't even tell him that when he was alive. But indeed he was. So when I look at this and it says forge and fire, this is on him, but the Holy Spirit said, look at that again. And he said, pay attention to what is, what's being portrayed there. It's got down through the middle of it that's attached is a, is a red stripe. For his stripes are ye healed. And Paul writes, Peter also writes about being tempered and being forged in fire, as you will. And that temperance comes from trial, tribulation. I've shared with you the finest jewelry that you see in the cases that are so beautiful. Where's that come from? Fire. The metals are forged and fired, that they're molten, and it just looks like a big glob of orange, and they pour it into a mold. And then they take the beautiful gems that are, at one time when they were dug out, they were forged by pressure and heat and compounded pressures from the earth, and then they're dug up and cut, shaped, and put into the settings finest, some of the finest porcelain figurines and, and um, pottery, very collectible, but it's also forged in fire. It's made that by fire and heat. You have to put it in the kiln. You have greenware, which is just air cured clay, but it's soft. it breaks easily. But if you fire it and you put it in the kiln, and you add fire and you leave it in there for a certain amount of time, then it bakes and it becomes hard and it becomes beautiful. You can paint it and finish it and it's gorgeous. And there are collectible pieces. We are collectible pieces that God has made. But he didn't make us to sit on a shelf and get looked at and be counted. He made us to be counted on so that we can utilize what he puts into us. What does he put into us? He pours his spirit into us so that we in turn can take that out into the world. We can reflect that light. We can reflect and share that thing that he's put into us, not just to sit up on a shelf and be counted as a nice piece. Oh, look at that up there. Isn't that nice? God counts on us, not just counts us. And it's not a numbers game with God. Now, with Satan the liar, it's as many as he can get to turn away from God and not follow God's leading in his teaching through the Spirit. Why is that? Because Satan used to live there and he knows what it is to be in heaven. And he's very angry with God 
because God is giving it to us free. It's a free gift that he offers. All you have to do, and this is a hard part for many, is accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. And unlike that pervert who tells you that John 3.16 is incorrect and that it's being taught wrong and that if you don't do what God says to do, he's going to send you to hell. Well, not exactly that way. If you don't do what you're supposed to do and you continue to live that way and you refuse to believe that Jesus Christ came and died for you, then you choose to do that way. You choose to live that way. You choose to go to hell and you choose to perish and you choose to be separated from all your loved ones in heaven that are already there, that quite possibly believe in God. And you don't even know it, but they're there. But Jesus prays over you every day he prays. Every day. The scripture tells us that he does that. Can you imagine that your loved ones that have gone before, that they're also praying for you? Saying, oh, oh, Father, change his or her heart. Sure like to see him get home. Sure like to see them here. But there's so many that make it so difficult and make it a harder thing and make it a lot more than what it actually is. All you have to do is say, yes, I do. Yes, I will. Let's go. Let's have mantra. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Have faith in God and that the Holy Spirit guides you. Yes, I do. Yes, I will. Let's go. Pretty simple. Actually, people tend to make it a whole lot harder than what it is. But as Jamie said, and Michael shared Sunday, is it's important for us to be what's called the signpost people. What does that mean? Well, that's kind of like the internet. And I remember when, when the signposts on the side of the road began to change because everything became more international. And you have, there's things that, the, some of the signs you stick people but I remember when the signs were very verbal and started changing because world travel became easier and easier and easier. So they used stick figures. They look, they use figure people to point in correct directions or what to do and not do. And we as signpost people, we need to follow the word of God. We need to teach and point the right direction. But more importantly, don't be that Valley of Dry Bones and that wind that Ezekiel prayed for and that breath of wind that came in, that breath that filled their lungs like it does for us every day. Remember, tomorrow is not promised. So when God breathes into my lungs in the morning, thank you, Father, for this day, the opportunity to sit here and do what I'm doing right now to share his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom, to send that out there. This is all about God's word. Glory to God. This has nothing to do with Raven Whitehawk, that this is my podcast. It's not my podcast. I don't get paid for doing this. I don't get paid for sponsoring. 
I don't get any of that. I refuse all that. I blocked that out of this. I had an opportunity to do so. But then you'd have commercials and all this other stuff. When I mention certain names and these certain artists that do this thing, it's because I want you to go find them because what they're singing about, what they're sharing about is a truth. What they're singing and sharing about is the word of God. And it's the way that the Holy Spirit has taken them to do this. It's got nothing to do about sponsorship for anything. It's got nothing to do about, pay. I'm getting, actually I am getting paid, uh, perfectly honest. And what I'm getting paid is I get a trip to heaven. I get a crown that of course is gonna be given back to God, given back to my Lord because this payment is not a, a deserved thing, but he's gonna give it to me because I stayed in the race. So you can say that's payment. Um, you can say that my being able to go to heaven and be with my loved ones and spend eternity there, that's a, yeah, that's okay. That's a payment. The truth, the word of God, that's what we need to be about. Sharing his truth, sharing his knowledge, sharing his wisdom, it's all about him. This isn't me. I don't need the sponsorship for any of this stuff. I do it because that's what I should be doing. And if I can share that somebody else can share doing something in a different way or a better way than I can, then that's what I need to do. And second guessing why God would use me. This was uh, something that Michael brought up. Why would God use me? Don't second guess God. God knows what he's doing. God knows your breaks. God knows your scars. God knows that your mindset, but what is most important to God, the only thing that is important to God is the character of your heart. We have no sovereignty. He is sovereign. And remember, God knows us better than we know ourselves. Truthfully. God desires that we are about his business. In his business. That's what God desires. And we don't adjust everything according to our mindset. God delivers according to his, or, his ordinance. We try to make everything chronological. In our finite minds, everything is, uh, is a numbered sequence. God doesn't work that way. One of the great mysteries of God but it's ordinated according to his will. The ordinance of what takes place is according to his will, not ours. And I remember when Michael was talking about this, that uh, you have 
and I, I heard that when I was going through my back surgery and the things that took place there is that my physical therapist would always tell me, okay, breathe in a nice cleansing breath. Well, that was supposed to be a delineation between just breathing normally like we do when we walk down up and down the street and we, you know, you're breathing. But a, a cleansing breath was when you breathe in deeply, you fill your lungs with air. And then you exhale all the way out. Breathe in deep. Another cleansing breath. That's how they used to talk. Take in another cleansing breath. Don't just breathe. Take in a cleansing breath. So that's a deep breath and you breathe it in. When God breathes into you in the morning, take it in as a cleansing breath. Breathe deep the breath of God. Let him come in and cleanse. And then as you continue the day, be with him, talk with him, visit with him during the course of the day. You don't have to throw yourself down into a particular prayer posture. Sometimes you should, but there is a time and a place for that. But during the course of the day, you can talk to God all day long. He loves that. He is our good, good, loving father. Just remember the breath of God. And here is something is that God is with us in all things. Everything that we're, we are in and about, God is with us. All the time. And that we have to remember that we're not in anything on our own. And, and I shared this with a brother the other day because he's having some difficulty, but I shared this with him. And this is important that we know this, that in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 24 and 25, this is not just for the body of the church that gather on Sunday or prayer meetings and all this. This is not specifically for that purpose. Hear what I'm saying, listen to what I'm saying and check the scriptures, look the truth. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works, and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. So what I shared with him, and the reason I shared that with him, is because when he gets down in the dumps, as sometimes we do, um, he goes off by himself. And he thinks that he needs to be by himself so he doesn't get grumpy and gripey and be on somebody's case or have somebody be on his case. But being that this is not just for church goers and, and uh, meeting with, with uh, Bible study and all that, this is for instances like that. And I shared that with him, that it's important that he spend time with believers and he is he's growing in that and he's learning in that but it's important that he is with somebody and when it says lifting up one another that's that word edification when you edify somebody you give them knowledge and you share truth with them and you lift them up to help educate fortify enrich their lives you don't just dump it on them and then it becomes uh, this 
heavy laden rock thing, kind of like when those guys went to Job in that instance. But what we have to remember to do greatly too is to relax with God. God wants you to relax with him, to be with him and know that you don't have to fight against everything that's going on because he is with you in all things, all things. And that might not be the battle that you need to be fighting, but yet we do that. Michael was sharing that when he was praying and then realized that what he was doing when he was under that raft and panicking and, and fearful and frightful and all that stuff, but then he realized, he said, wait a minute, God's with me. And then he took that deep breath in and he was getting ready for the water to come up. He was running out of space, but he took that deep breath in and then right at that instant, boom, all of a sudden there was the raft flipped over and there was light around and he looked up and there was the guide. He was on top of the raft where he had stood up where he knew what he was supposed to do and had on his hand on that rope that goes around the side of the raft and he had pulled the raft back over the way it was supposed to be. God has knowledge. God knows what needs to be. The Holy Spirit guides us. This man knew what he was doing. He knew what to do with the raft. But we panic. We do that many times. We panic. We panic. And remember, and Michael shared something else that I thought was interesting, and I'd, I'd heard this a long time ago. But when things take uh, unpleasantness or things that happen, like what he was in there, the average mind calculates and, and computes all that really fast, about three seconds. And then you start going into the panic mode or whatever you're going to do. But when you have something that's really nice happening and you're just kind of cruising along and all that, it takes about a minute and a half to get in that and then you come into the realization of whatever's going on. Just remember something. God is coming at us all the time. He comes, God does pursue. And like Jesus shared the good shepherd, he goes after the one and will leave the 99. Brothers and sisters, I love you. You're in my prayers daily. Like that breath of wind. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Try the Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Let him guide.